All right. Happy birthday, Phil. You're a big boy now. It's one of those things you never say to girls. You're a big girl. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, you're a big girl. Nope. Just a little hint for you, you guys that aren't old enough to know what not to do. So there are a lot of folks here that are uh, from out of town. Welcome. Just want to say hello and good to see you guys. Good to have you all. You are our extended family, you know, and uh, I want you to feel super a part of this. You know, when I came here as a, as a, a guest, uh, or I felt like a guest, I think. I came in and, and I was like this perpetual guest. But that's not really how it is. You're a part of the body here. And so we want you to feel that and feel welcome. So I just want to say that. I want to welcome those people who are online. There are a lot of people that watch this every week online and are a part of us in that way. So welcome to all of you people with that camera back there. Also, today, with the topic that we're going to be looking at, if you're someone who is, is thinking about Jesus, if you're someone who is just wrestling through who this Jesus guy is and what's going on, and is this real, what, what is it? What is it? This statement that we're going to look at that Jesus makes today is one of the most, uh, it's a beautiful one and it's a, it's a powerful one and it is a hard one. It, it has all of that together. The beauty of it is uh, in the poeticness, the, poet, the poetic way that he says it. The hardness is the reality of the way he follows it up and, and restates what the beautiful thing is that he said was. So we're going we're gonna to look at some uh, hard things today and I want to I was thinking hard about application. What does it mean? How do we, as believers, if you are a believer, a follower of Christ in here, how do we apply this? And if you're, if you're searching and wondering about Jesus, how do you apply this? And I, I think there, there may be the same. It's not like a, an action. This is an action that you come out with. Well, okay, this is how I'll, I'll follow Jesus better tomorrow. Um, this is one of those things that <clears throat> what Jesus says, I think is very obvious to, in the core of who we are as human beings. And he states it. But as humans, what we do is run around every possible way to not recognize what is right in front of us, what we already sort of know. So I'm not suggesting this is a philosophical message. What I'm, I'm suggesting is that in the way that we think, if, if you start to realize, wait, the fact that there is goodness makes me recognize that there is a God. There is something outside of myself that defines what is right and wrong. And we all have that deep inside, whether we're seeking, whether we know God or not. And when you start to recognize the goodness that, is, that God has created, that is that's reflected in him, then there's, it changes how we live. It changes who we are instead of trying to fill up uh, our lives with other kinds of goodness when we know that he is goodness. So, I know that is a really roundabout way to talk about an application for a message, but there is something in our hearts and our minds that I want to ho- hope that you will recognize is the reality and something that we try to reject. It doesn't matter whether we follow Jesus or not. It's just how we work. So that's uh, a piece of what's coming. We, uh, we just read the passage. We're going to come back to that in just a second. We're, gonna, we're back in a series in John. We're in the back half of it. We did the first half. Now we're in the, the last, uh, maybe the first uh, two-thirds. We're in the last third. And we're gonna, we started with uh, the triumphal entry. We're going to go right up through Easter and, the, and his sacrifice of himself, resurrection. And then right about that point, we're going to move over to a new building. And that's uh, 
April 8th is our last day in here. So six weeks away, I think, which is hard to believe. So some of you, when you come back, you won't be here. This is your last. (laughs) A cool thing happened. I have to tell you real briefly. For two and a half years, I've been working with the town to get uh, the the parking arrangement uh, set up for us, to have the right number of cars and people that can come in here. And so we get that approved. Now, if you don't have enough parking places, you have to buy parking in lieu of in our town. Some of you are familiar with that. So it's $13,000 of parking space. So uh, any business that has more need for cars than they have parking spaces has to pay parking in lieu of. Does that make sense? So we went in and we talked and we said, well, how can we uh, work something out with the town where we can recognize more parking spaces and at the same time, maybe do something that benefits the town that we live in, because parking is in a, in a, a big need here, as you've discovered if you try to park on Elk. Uh, so we said, well, how about if uh, we share all of our parking with the town, and you, as an official town parking, and you recognize, let us recognize all of these parking places that are out here. So all these spaces that a lot of you parked in aren't official until Monday night. So after two and a half years... We had a meeting at the, at the town, and uh, after a lot of work, and those of you who helped with this, many, many thanks, Sarah in particular, um, we signed an agreement, or we'll sign an agreement tomorrow with the town that's, that the way it works is this parking will be recognized, we'll share our parking with our town, which is a good thing, and the $170,000 we were going to pay in parking in lieu of, we don't have to pay. So, so you know, we, that was part of the $2 million that we had to raise, and now it's, it's set off until in, in the future someday. We don't have to pay it. And so uh, that is a big deal. So we basically just got a $200,000 uh, gift from the town. So um, how about that? <laughs> uh, I want to let you know, it's really, you know, we want to have a great relationship with our town in every possible way. And they need to go, hey, we have a problem. Something's going on. We need help. We need to think of the church, not like business or the chamber or a rich guy or anything like that. We need to think of the church. And this is a step towards that. So anyway, just want to let you guys know. All right, we're going to get to this message. <laughs> uh, these, are, uh, these are maps I had in my old office here. They're places that I went uh, and hiked and had these. Uh, I don't have the trails drawn in, but a couple of markers. And what this is, is that I, I had a, a starting place and a destination that I wanted to get to. So we... Show and tell. Um, me and my friends marked out a, a pathway to get there, and then we went that way, right? There was a certain pathway to get to the place we wanted to go. We all understand that, right? Sometimes there's a variety of ways, but sometimes there's one way to get to the place that we're going. We understand that, sort of intuitively, that. If we want to get to, one, to a certain place, we have to follow steps or follow a road, follow a path in order to get to that place. Many of us, most of us, I would say, want to know God. We want to know who He is. We want to be in relationship with Him. That is something we want that seems like it is over there. How do we get from here to there? That's something that we need to think about and the fact that there is a way from, one, from not knowing God to knowing God makes sense to me. I think it makes sense to you. There is a path, 
And Jesus is talking about this in this particular passage that we're in. We are searching for him. We want to know the creator. How do we get there? And Jesus explains this at the end of the book, near the end of the book of John. I'm just going to read you uh, this one more time. This is from uh, chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. If you're going to go prepare a place for, for us, we don't know where that is. How do we get there? How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the main point. If you want to know the Father, if you want to know the one true God, Jesus is the way. This is the main thing that I want to say today. This is what I think Jesus is saying. If you want to know the Father, I am the way. When he says the word way, I'm the way, truth, and the life, the word way in there is a neat little Greek word, but it, it means road. The way, the road means pathway. So I'm going to use the word road typically or path and as I talk, but he is, he is the road to knowing God. And if we want to know God, Jesus is saying, I am the way to know him. So three questions that we're going to ask as we observe this passage. Um, what is it that makes him the road? Why is, why is he the road? What makes him the person who could say that? And what kind of road is he? What are the characteristics that, that form up this road? What, what is he in terms of that? And then the last thing he says in verse 6, he says, I'm the only way. So if that's true, we, we say, wait a minute, there's one road? All of us think about that. All of us wrestle with that. So how do we, how do we understand that? So what makes him the road? What kind of road? And, and is, there, is there really one road? What is, he, what is he saying by that? So what makes him the road? <clears throat> the thing that makes Jesus the road is he is the one that came to take us home. He is the one that made it possible for us to be reunited in relationship with God. It is by him that it is possible. If you're a believer, that is one of the most profound truths that we could ever embrace or ever understand. It is anything that you did. It's nothing that I can do. There is no way you can get there. But Jesus is the one who made it possible for us to be reunited in relationship with God. I want to read you two passages that I think are amazing. One I read a few weeks ago. It's from Titus. and it, these, Both of these explain this exact thing. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works we have done in righteousness, let this soak in, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us richly through Jesus, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is an amazing passage. Somebody read that to me a few weeks ago, and I was like, where has that been? It's, Titus is like a page and a half. It's like a thousand words long. This is amazing. We were broken, and he made it right. It's all right there. This is the gospel. It's nothing that you did. He is the road because he is the road. He is the one who makes it possible. And then many of you have heard this before from Romans 5, verse 5, or verse 6. 
For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. When he said to the disciples right there, when he said, I'm going to go make a place for you, he said that in a nice positive way. He didn't include, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what I've been doing this whole time. He just said, I'm going to go prepare a place so you can be with me with the Father, right? So he, he didn't say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the cross and die brutally and be rejected by the Father, and I'm going to be raised three days later. He didn't say all that right then. He just said, I'm going to prepare a place. But that's the beautiful thing, is that he is the road because he made himself that for us. And did you notice that Thomas is the one who's asking Jesus this? I love how, uh, if you read through John, you'll see that he likes to point out who's asking questions. So uh, he'll say things about himself, like he'll say, oh, the the disciple who Jesus loved. He likes to say that about himself. Um, It's his third way of speaking of himself in third person. And, And Peter asks a question, in this uh, dialogue, and Philip asks a question in this dialogue, and uh, in this case, we see uh, Thomas asking the question, and Thomas says, hey, I, I want to I follow you. Now, Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. Thomas was that guy who said, unless I touch him, like actually feel this after the resurrection, unless I feel, put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus knew that that's who this guy was, Right? So he knew that there was an enormous amount of doubt in this guy, Thomas, right then. And I probably would have answered Thomas and said, you know what, Thomas, just wait and see. I'm not going to tell you. I would have, you know, you ever get up to here and you're like, forget it. That's kind of my way of operating, unfortunately. But that's what I would have done with Thomas. I'm here, you know, I'm done with you. You wouldn't believe me if I told you, Thomas. But Jesus' answer to him is, Thomas, I'm the way and the truth and the life. That is such a different answer. <laughs> but it's to Thomas. And y'all, if, if there was a disciple that I, I'm a skeptical person and I think I'm like him. And uh, so it means a lot to me when I see those interactions with Thomas and Jesus. He's gentle with the question, even about the fact that he is the road. He's the road because we cannot be restored to relationship with, with God on our own. Here, let me see if I can illustrate this real quick. Anybody been watching the Olympics at all? Some of you may have fallen into that little trap. Keeps you up till real late at night. In the Olympics, the whole world is looking to see who is the absolute very, very, very best, right? Who is perfect, like 10, 10, 10, right? And there's, there's two ways to win, by the way, in the Olympics. You either cross the line first, which is, I kind of like that, the traditional, by the most number of points. And then there's like, you get judged. Both are tough, right? You either have to beat everybody else or appear to beat everybody else or have enough sequins on your outfit. <laughs> no offense to you skater people. But... Uh, <laughs> The whole world wants to see the best, right? 
We want to see the very best, and we totally understand it. There's no question, yes, that guy came across the line first. He is, she did that the best, right? There's a winner. We understand the need for perfection. We want perfection. We want to see perfection. The reason we understand that, think about it, is because there is perfection. Go home and think about it. Because there is a standard of perfection, there is a holy God, there is an understanding of something that is better, and, we, and that resonates with us. But the thing is, unless you're a very special person in here, you aren't good enough for God. You aren't good enough for holy. You are not going to win. And Jesus closes the gap. He is the road, the connection that closes the gap between our imperfection, our inability to be perfect, and, to, and God. He is the one who makes that happen. He is the road. So that is why, that is what makes him the road. Because like you said, I am the way. It's a very interesting answer to Thomas's question. It's not that you're looking for a path. It's not like you have to get a trail to get there. He says, I'm the way. But what kind of road is Jesus? What is this, what, what kind of person, what is this thing, this road that we're on, that he's asking us to be on? Well, personally, I, I think that just that statement, I am the way and the truth and the life, is a beautiful statement. It's just a beautiful thing to meditate on. It, it almost, it's like a, I picture like one of those motivational posters. It's like a really beautiful poster with some people hiking and they're way up high on some saddle and they're on a ridge and they're looking out and the morning sun's coming up and it says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. You know, it's just this powerful statement and it's a beautiful, it's just poetic. The way the Greek is written, the words truth and life actually modify or describe the way, the road. The truth and the life modify or tell us what it is that that road is like. And if you look at both of those words together, truth and life, I'm, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Truth and the life, are, they're good things. We should understand them as good. Like when you hear a beautiful song, you're like, that's good, right? Or you see a beautiful scene or a beautiful painting or a beautiful person or a successful or a winner. You're like, that's good. You know what that is. And I think just in a a common human sense, when we see the word truth, the words truth and life, we understand this is something that is good. And think about this, y'all. If, if there is something that we as uh, creatures can understand as good or superlative or better, as a collective, all of us understand that, right? This is something that points to the reality of a God. There is something bigger and better, and we can all perceive of it. That's that shadow of God that's reflected in us that we understand. Think, spend some time thinking about it. Truth and life are good. But if you look at truth just by itself, it's a really powerful thing. You know, there, Jesus is saying there is truth. There is something that is right. It's concrete. It's unassailable. It's a foundation. There is something that is truth. Now, we, we want to make our own truth. We tend to think, yeah, uh, I understand that there's truth. I know that there's right. I know that there's a moral standard. Just the fact that we can conceive of that, 
is, a, is something that directs us and should direct you to God. But what we do is almost anything we can to create our own truth. The commercials during the Olympics, a lot of those commercials made me, like, the one in particular, the Subway commercial, it's pretty cool, it's a beat and stuff, you dance when you're watching the commercial, and they say, hey, you can have this Subway sandwich any way you want it. We're like Chipotle with bread, right? So you can make it any way you want, and it's going to be awesome, it's your way. And, and it's good, right? It's true. All of these things, we want to have the, the right car, the right thing. All the commercials were pointing to this thing where you and I can decide what is the very best thing. And that becomes something like our truth. We want to reject capital T truth, the truth that is Jesus, by finding other ways to create our truth. By filling ourselves up with things that are good and healthy. They can be, all can be just beautiful things, really good things, things that, again, we all understand are, are righteous, are above, uh, are not bad, right? And then those things become what the kind of thing we cobble together. In fact, when, if you look at when he says life, he says, he says, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. And when you, I think there's two ways to look at that word life. One is, uh, I think the very simple way, like I am the life. I am Basically, Jesus is saying, uh, dude, if you want to send it, I'm the way to send it. It's me. I am the life. I am the best thing that you can imagine. I am life. If you're wondering what life is like or could be like, or if you're missing something, if you don't have me, you're missing it because I'm life. Number one. But then there's a much, much deeper thing that's impossible to get our minds around, and that is that, yes, I am life, but I am the origin, the provider, the creator. I am life. There's, he's, he's saying so much in these few words that he says to Thomas, I am life. You know, life can't be explained. The scientists, the philosophers can't explain life. But here we are experiencing it and even imagining something that's better than us or bigger or good. Jesus says, I am that thing. I am life. I uh, was flipping the channels the other day. I guess, apparently, I've been watching a lot of TV uh, <laughs> as I'm thinking about this. Um, so if you want to watch TV, come on over. That's what's going on. Um, and I came across this thing on Netflix. is some Frankenstein show or something. Some I don't know. It was the big banner at the top, so I, I clicked on it. And uh, the, the thing that happens in the, in the story is that there's a... They find this body, and it's this body that's, I hope this isn't too gross for you, but it's just a person that's been cobbled together with all these different body parts, legs and arms and hands and head and stuff. And uh, they're all sewn together kind of in a, you know, graphic, gross way. There's, and I, I sat back and I was thinking about that in this passage, and I was like, you know what we do? We try to take all these great things that we think are life and are going to make our life great. And we sew them together in a gross graphic way. And we, try, we think, if I get all these things together, if I get my life together, if I have the right career and the right friends, the right boyfriend, the right house, the right you know, success, I'm this, I'm that, whatever your thing is, I put all those things together, my, my family's doing okay, you know, I, I don't have to say no, my son's having a hard time, you know, or my, you know, if all those things are like put on there and then somehow that's going to come to life and be good. No, it's just a cobbled thing of creepy stuff that's lying there dead. 
You can't cobble together and breathe life, in, breathe life into something that is just a bunch of stuff, even if it's good, even if it's beautiful. Because Jesus is life. So what that comes around to is if, if he is life and he is truth, if he is that thing for us, all those other things flow out of that and we can bring those good things in and they make sense. That we aren't worshiping some dead body that we've cobbled together and sewn up and said, this is, oh, this is going to be the best. This is going to make it all work. No, we, we actually are worshiping Jesus and everything else follows after that. Everything else makes sense and life comes from him. I am the life, like I'm the thing. I am, I am life. And if that's true for us with him, it changes everything. Okay, one final thing. How is it that he is the one road? How does this, how do we make sense out of that? In our culture where everyone wants a different path to get to something. Now, remember, this is my point here. If you want to find the father, if you want to try, if you want to find the one true God, Jesus is the way. Now, you could try to find a lot of other things. You could try to find gods and great things and spiritual experiences. But if you want to find the one true God, what Jesus is saying is, I am the way. In fact, he, he makes it pretty clear. He says, in, he says it in two ways. One, he uses the definite article. In the Greek, the definite article is very obvious, just like it is. The word the. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Not one of or anything like that. I am the. So we have to take that from him. But then he sums up his poetic statement in verse 6, where he says, No one comes to the Father but through me. Here's the beautiful way to say it, Thomas, and here's the hard way to say it. Now, some people, I'm talking to Christians in here, I guess, uh, in this case. Some people love that statement. Yeah, he's the way. I'm right. And you and I that fall into that category are like the people who start wars. Because wars are started because people think they're right. And then there are those of us who come to that statement and we struggle. And we go, I'm a compassionate person. I don't understand how that can be true. How does this work? So what I want to encourage you to do, just for a moment, wherever you fall in that, because I guarantee, if, if there's a continuum of feeling and thought about that in this room, we're, it's all represented in here right now. Okay, so I've made some of you uncomfortable and some of you real happy. and I don't know, somewhere in between. But I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, just take off your armor for just a minute, okay? Let's just be vulnerable about a tough thing. Just take off the armor. Yes, I struggle with this, but okay, I'm going to think about it. Yes, I've always thought that was the greatest thing ever, and I love dogmatic statements, and I love to be right. Settle down. If, if you love that, be careful. Because it's a hard truth. So be careful with it. Be careful with it. Remember the beauty of the way Jesus said it to Thomas. I'm the way and the truth and the life. This is good. Let me tell you why it's good. And if you struggle and you are a compassionate person, let me tell you, be careful because you don't have more compassion than Jesus had. Okay? Don't assume that you have more compassion than him. So We've got to, I'm not saying come to a middle ground. I'm saying let's just see what Jesus said and why he said it. 
So just briefly, a couple of thoughts to consider. One thing is that Jesus' statement provides absolute clarity. There is no ambiguity in what he says. He says it poetically, and then he says it very firmly. I am the way to know the Father. So we cannot be confused about that. If you want to follow Jesus, this is core doctrine that we cannot reject. Okay? He is the way to know the Father. His statement creates clarity. There is a way that leads to death, and there is a way that leads to life, is what he is saying. Now, you may say, I don't know, I don't know. But I, I think you do know. Um, I don't see the Freemans in here, I think the girls are downstairs, but uh, when I first came here, Kevin told me a story, so about four years ago, and I think uh, in, in the 2000s, or late, uh, like 2010 or 11, they had a, do- a couple of dogs, and they had gone on a camping trip with them and you know, the girls were little. They had just bought a camper. It was great. They're having the full family camping experience, right? You guys, most of you can, experience, can imagine that. They've got the trailer and they've met all the people, you know, in the little neighborhood and uh, they go on a hike midday. They're having a blast. They're going along and uh, the dogs are just, they're young and they're fun and they're bounding over the boulders and running around and running between their legs and jumping. You know, you can picture the scene, right? So they're having fun and they get to their picnic spot and they're just about to set up and the dogs are bounding and the dogs go, and both of them jumped off a thousand foot cliff. One followed the other. They, they didn't know that they had, they just didn't realize a dog would actually do that. Dogs knew the cliff was there. Thousand feet. Bad day. We all understand that there is a way that leads to death and there is a way that leads to life. Okay? You can argue with me, but I just encourage you, go and think, think about it for a little bit. That is just a simple illustration. There is death, and there is a way to get there. There is a way to be separated from, in the same way, there's a way to be separated from God, and there's a way to know him. The path, the road, the, way to, the where, place we need to be on is Jesus. Because he is the way and the truth and the life. And here's the deal, I said at the very beginning, What is beautiful is that there actually is a way to know God. We thought, wait a minute, I deserve to know God because I'm good. No. Jesus makes it possible because, y'all, we aren't good enough. If you think you're good enough, you you aren't old enough yet. (laughs) You are not good enough to know God, and Jesus makes it possible. He is, the burden of making this right is on him. So if you struggle, just remember there wasn't a way, and now there is a way, and it's him. So, in fact, the door is open, and here's another beautiful thing about it. He doesn't make you go through. He says, no, you run around, and you choose. I am telling you I am the way. He doesn't make you go with him. So if you were struggling with being an automaton or some kind of robot or somebody who had to do a certain thing, no. You get to make your choice. But remember, you can conceive of good, righteousness, of perfection, and the reason you can is because there's a holy God that you're not good enough for and I'm not good enough for. And there is death and there is life. And the life with Jesus actually is that send it life. That is life. And that's what he's saying. I am the life, like the good thing. So access has actually been granted through Jesus. So let me wrap up with uh, just saying that again. If you're seeking the Father, 
If that's who you want, if you want the one creator of the universe and you want to know him, then Jesus is the way. Okay, I'm going to pray. God, thanks for a chance to be with my friends this morning. I thank you for the hard words in this. I think that uh, we all need to have a lot of humility as we approach them. God, and I thank you that Jesus said them. Lord, help us to look deeply at him, uh, you, what you did at that passage in Titus. It's so cool. Um, so thankful for that, Lord. We were broken. We hated each other. We were a mess. But, but uh, you, by your goodness and grace and mercy, sent Jesus to bridge the gap to bring us to yourself. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for my friends. Uh, let us be uh, uh, witnesses for you as we walk out this door today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Y'all have a great afternoon.